It's all fun and games, friends. Welcome to Fringe with Benefits. I am Stacy, serendipitously mindful and full of spitfire, your favorite survivalist. Well, probably not, but by far the most forthright and least likely to lie to you. Here I am again to do what I do best, which is come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. So last week, last week, last week, I couldn't fit all the sources in the, la- the show notes, okay? This happens quite often, and usually I cite the source in the show verbally, so it shouldn't be an issue. So I'm just letting you guys know. If you want a source for anything I talk about, feel free to email me, and I will get them to you, because I do document everything I talk about. I'm not so sure about the podcast sponsorship thing. We're going to have to see how this goes, so here's a little juicy tidbit. Honestly... I knew it would happen if I attempted to work with somebody, and it did. There were a few screw-ups, and that's, um, that's an, you know, another thing. These screw-ups is why episode 44 has some new surprise injected ads, which is awkward, right? There was someone that was taken aback by the content right out of the gate. And like I say to everyone, I'm not going to do this podcast for money. I'm not doing it so people will like me, and I don't do it for clout or followers. I'm here to bring you the weird, strange, and the extraordinary. I do this because I feel it's important that if I see a situation is off instead of annoying my family about my ponderings, I come here and I speak to my mic. It's a good, healthy thing. I have no idea if this episode's going to run any advertisements yet or not. I'm open to it. If not, I'm cool with that too. Although, if one day we do find a good sponsor who is willing to be represented by this quirky and idiosyncratic podcast, they will deserve the support, all the love, and the utmost respect. So we're just going to have to see what happens this, with this one. I There might be some ads in here, but I'm going to say this, that usually people that run ads on their page, they've got to accommodate the sponsor. So everybody keep that in mind. I took a week off. I spent last weekend at Squatch Fest in Longview, Washington. So it was was badass. It was an excellent event. It was super personal and a great opportunity to hobnob with some of the leaders of cryptozoology. I didn't get to talk to everyone I wanted to, but I did get to meet Bob Gimlin from the famous Patterson-Gimlin film from Bluff Creek, California. In addition to that legend, I met author, filmmaker, and researcher Russell Accord from Expedition Bigfoot, and David Paletti's researcher and author of the Missing 411 series and the Hoopa Project. There were several others who I was very grateful to have met, and I hope to meet up with them again someday. Hopefully some of them are listening to this podcast. All in all, it was an awesome weekend, and I was inspired even more to seek out the truth about the Sasquatch people. I really love bringing up Bigfoot with complete strangers. This is something, it is like a social experiment that I practice very, very often. It really assesses where they are on the subject. Early on in this podcast, I told a story of mentioning it in front of a coworker when I worked for Fish and Game. And I asked if he believed that Bigfoot exists. And with a very bad attitude, he scoffed and said it was an impossibility. And he kind of laughed at me and kind of ridiculed me in a way. And just this week, I had the same exact experience. Well, almost. I didn't know this person. It was a total stranger. And I spoke with a guy um, who has a house in Copalis Beach. If you guys remember, we read the story on the podcast, The Cowman of Copalis. 
I don't know if anybody remembers that. If not, go back one of those episodes and talk about it. Anyone with knowledge about this region knows that there are many sightings and many stories regarding the subject. So I said to him, you know, as he's talking about his house, I said, oh, that area is known for lots of Bigfoot sightings, just kind of, you know, testing it. And he laughed and said, ha, Bigfoot. And so, you know, in response, I smirked and I left it at that. It's not my responsibility to convince anyone of anything, but I do feel obligated to make small talk with people because I like to be friendly and I like people to feel comfortable. And so I'm really good at small talk and it, Small talk to me occasionally involves Bigfoot or my belief in Bigfoot or just the fact that people talk about it. Now, sometimes they do tell me what they've seen and sometimes they've seen them and you'll see a glimmer in their eye. It's very strange. I want you guys to try this with your friends and family. Just bring up Bigfoot and just watch their micro expressions. You'll watch their brain just fire up they'll people if they've seen it or if they have a belief in it they will outright tell you what they saw usually and so try it try it sometime okay stacy social has been really crazy really crazy and i'm not really sure what's going on with my social media Because sometimes I'll be shown things. And then, you know, reading those articles about them kind of manipulating what you're seeing to get an emotional response, I kind of feel like I'm a victim of a psyop or something while I'm looking at my social media. But I'm trying to pull the good out of it. And I'm trying trying to inform myself and at the same time have a good time and communicate with people in a healthy, productive way. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. It's a good thing. I want to get into this article by Parker Beauregard. It talks about that the beginning of last year, the most recent count of COVID deaths involving Minnesota minor stands at three. At the same time, death by shooting via gang violence, according to the database Gun Violence Archive, in 2021 alone, at least five reported gang-related shootings that have left six children dead. A seventh, a 10-year-old boy, remains in a coma. In 2020, at least three children were shot and killed in gang-related violence. Unknowable is the extent of neglect and abuse that traumatizes countless young people. BLM has not commented on any of these. These children account for more deaths than all of COVID. In addition to the shooting deaths, other headlines from the Minneapolis area reveal that a nine-month-old baby survived being shot in the head, and a three-year-old boy was placed in critical condition after being shot in the femoral artery. Missing from all the data are the dead gang members under the age of 18 killed in action. Why? This list only includes the innocent victims. The real winner, Governor Tim Waltz and his voting base, they're, what are they responding to? COVID, right? They want to mandate masks, vaccinations, and lockdowns for all of our, these free citizens but at the same time, they're doing nothing against this gang violence. Now, let's add to the fact that the masks, the supposed vaccinations and the lockdowns have shown to not be effective. Data and research shows that none of this is particularly required nor effective. And these actions are certainly not within the purview of state and national constitutions. Yet there is a momentum for overreach. And we are seeing this all over the country. Has this governor or his cronies responded to any of these shootings? No, not in decades. 
And so I would like to quote the reporter in writing this. He says, if lockdowns and medical interventions are being sought for innocent, law-abiding citizens against a virus that doesn't threaten them, then at the very least, Democrats should be on board with lockdowns and medical interventions for violent, soulless criminals. Why are there no interventions? Next, written by Aylin Evans, the majority of Americans support regulating breaking up big tech. The poll, conducted from June 7th to the 12th, by Change Research on behalf of progressive groups CAP Action, CAP Action, and Public Citizen, found that 81% of respondents believe big tech and social media companies are too powerful. 73% at least somewhat convinced that they should be regulated and broken up. Of respondents who were at least somewhat convinced of breaking up tech companies, 58% listed big tech's control over political speech and what people are able to see online as one of the two reasons to support antitrust action. 46% listed tech companies violating privacy by collecting and selling personal data. What about the emotional manipulation? There's my two cents. These results match this recent trend of increased public support for regulating the big tech. Finally, a Gallup poll in February found that 57% of respondents were in favor of increasing regulation, compared to 48% in 2019. That's still a pretty substantial percent. A Data for Progress poll from May found 58% of people favored antitrust action against these companies. Robert Weissman, president of Public Citizen, said, When it comes to big tech's monopoly power and surveillance business model, the public is unified. They want action. They want to see the big tech companies broken up and users' privacy protected. The most popular regulations concerning these companies infringing upon our rights, consumer protections, and privacy. The most popular regulations concerned these companies with infringing on our rights, consumer protections, and privacy. New rules for them not to take advantage of consumers by abusing data, using deceptive and unfair practices, or violating their civil rights. Laws allowing people to sue over privacy violations drew 74% support. Aaron Simpson, Director of Technology Policy at Cap Action, said, Policymakers should respond to this clear demand from voters by enacting laws and regulations that will improve choice, protect consumers, and reduce discrimination. The results of these polls came amid a flurry of antitrust action against these companies from regulators, states, and lawmakers. Members of the House Judiciary Committee advanced six bills in June targeting these companies and their anti-competitive practices, while a series of antitrust lawsuits against Google, Facebook, and Apple have been filed in recent months. These antitrust laws do a little bit of research into that. They are totally practicing cronyism and monopolizing the social media industry as well as influencing our elections as well as force-feeding us propaganda it's a mess guys so at least the majority of people are on board with regulating these giants because they have way too much power they're accumulating way too much sensitive data on each one of us and there should be some ethical restrictions on them. I mean, they should be policing themselves because, honestly, how do they sleep at night? Kyle Becker at Becker News says that new evidence suggests COVID vaccine may spread the virus. 
and that the NBC News report was deleted from a USA Today article. NBC News, citing unnamed officials aware of the decision, reported it comes after new data suggested vaccinated individuals could have higher levels of virus and infect others amid the surge of cases driven down by the Delta variant of the coronavirus. The USA Today reported a passage that was later scrubbed. Texas state representatives who had fled from the state to avoid a vote on election integrity bills are now believed to have spread the COVID. So you remember the people on the plane and everybody was all pissed off because they weren't wearing the mask. And then they got to D.C. after they left to avoid having to make a vote on the election integrity. They skirted their responsibilities, which is illegal, by the way. And then they went over there. All of them had been vaccinated, but they were carrying COVID, and then they spread it over there, right? People believe they spread the COVID to an unnamed White House official, which I'm not sure if that's true or not. It was a staffer of Nancy Pelosi. All of these people were vaccinated. None of them were wearing masks, blah, blah, blah. They're not being transparent. They took that out of their article when it was the absolute truth, and it was probably a no-shit moment. There are watchdogs, and they're keeping an eye on this stuff. Next, you guys are probably getting sick of this topic, but I don't care because it's crazy. Next, scandal. Newly leaked data shows over half of COVID hospitalizations were for other ailments in UK. Haven't we been screaming this for, geez, over a year now? Data leaked from the NHS in the UK show that over half of the hospitalizations were classified as COVID, but they were admissions for other ailments. And they just so happened to have a positive test. So you remember all those false positives? Okay, we're going to get into that. The figures suggest vast numbers are being classed as hospitalized by COVID when, the, when they were admitted with other ailments. With the virus picked up by routine tested, the report continued. Overall, 56% of COVID hospitalizations fell into this category. That's the majority of them, folks. The report highlights how both... how. Critical PCR testing thresholds have been in coding COVID cases and the mortality rates for the virus in the United States. At least 94% of the fatalities counted in the pandemic were cases with COVID-19 where the patients had serious comorbidities. WHO, Center for Disease Control and State Health Bodies, lowered the threshold for PCR testing in the United States in early 2021. The lowered PCR test sensitivity would render a more accurate coding of a true COVID case, rather than merely the presence of viral material, whether alive or dead. They were driving up the numbers all year. The data is wrong. We cannot use that data. It's bad data. Let's get off of this subject for a little bit and talk about this crazy report about this time traveler claiming humans are going to get superpowers this year. There's this guy on TikTok who's been posting since February. His name is Xavier or Javier. Sorry. He's been posting these videos with his account at Unico. So, okay, I'm not going to spell this out. (laughs) Article is linked in the show notes. It's basically his name translates to Lone Survivor, I think, in Spanish. He claims he's a time traveler who's woken up in the year 2027. He's been posting updates about being in 2027, showing how there are no humans in his location, which is believed to be Spain. Now, 
Javier has posted a new update saying many of you still don't believe I'm a real time traveler. So remember these five dates. The video goes on to predict the following. NASA finds a mirrored Earth opposite gravity physics in motion on August 3rd, 2021. Well, it's past the third now and I have not. So even if NASA did find a mirrored Earth, you think they're going to tell us all that? I don't know. We don't know. We don't have any transparency with our leadership. So I'm not sure if that happened or not, but they're saying he said it was going to. He says on September 14th of 2021, there's going to be a Category 6 hurricane that will hit South Carolina and will be the worst in history. Eight humans will receive superpowers from extreme energy of the sun on October 20th, 2021. Three teenagers will find a T-Rex egg and a device to open a portal to an alternate universe on December 14th, 2021. And last but not least, Atlantis is found in the Atlantic Ocean and is housing human fish life on, get this, 2-2-22, February 2nd, 2022. I don't know, guys. I it would be interesting if it did happen. The article says, as always with these type of videos, take the claims with a grain of salt as there are no scientific evidence to back up any of Javier's predictions. I thought that was a fun article. So good on that TikToker for being creative and fun. Either that or he's really a time traveler and being completely honest. Okay, I don't know if you guys saw the viral video where that dingbat is at Yellowstone and she's walking up to a friggin' grizzly and that thing starts to charge her and she's all, oh, I better run the other way. And so she waddles her goofy ass away from this friggin' bear that's charging on her. Well, she's in deep shit. Illinois woman faces criminal charges after she was captured on video being bluff charged by a grizzly bear while she was taking photos in Yellowstone. She was among a small group of tourists who spotted the female grizzly and her two cubs, May 15th, in the Roaring Mountain area. Witnesses told investigators that when she saw the bears coming closer, they returned to her vehicles and warned the woman to get back, but she did not until after the, the sow grizzly charged her. Park regulations require visitors to stay at least 300 feet away from bears and wolves. The video of the encounter was widely shared. On May 25th, the park posted a photo of the woman along for tips, along with a plea for tips that could help identify her. She's from Carroll Stream, Illinois, and she faces charges of feeding, touching, teasing, frightening, or intentionally disturbing wildlife and violating closures and use limits. An initial court appearance has been set for August 26th. She has not entered a plea. Holy shit, she's in deep trouble. So two weeks after that incident, a 39-year-old hiker was injured by a grizzly bear. The man suffered significant injuries to his lower extremities, but he was able to hike out. Damn. And then July, I'm sure everybody heard that a woman camping in Montana was pulled from her tent and killed by a grizzly. Wildlife officials later um, shot and killed that grizzly, which is a bummer, but what a way to go, man. So I looked up the charge and what she could be facing. It's She's facing a year in jail and up to $10,000 in fines for harassing wildlife. There was a precedent set 
with an organ man. He was sentenced to 130 days in jail for taunting a bison and was banned from Yellowstone for five years. Don't do it, people. Give them their space. Not only, you know, people are recording you. You're going to go down in history for being that dingbat who walked up to a grizzly. And you're lucky to be alive because it could have ripped your face off, especially since she had cubs. Dumb. Darwin Award goes to her. Last but not least, I've been saving this story for you guys. This guy, a Brazilian tattoo artist, has totally, with plastic surgery and tattoos and all kinds of crazy shit, has turned himself into an orc. He owns a tattoo shop in Tatuí, Sao Paulo, Brazil. He's been working to transform his physical appearance through surgeries and tattooing. His last name is De Oliveira. And I did follow him on Instagram because I'm super fascinated. I'm not sure how long that's going to last, though. (laughs) I might have to unfollow, but I kind of wanted to see what he was all about. Dude basically cut off his nose to spite his face. No, he cut off his nose. And he said that that nose procedure was the most painful and drastic. So the surgical procedure reshaped his nose to require a lot of care for it. It wasn't a reshape. They cut off his fucking nose. I don't know what they're talking about. They say that it has no impact on his ability to breathe normally. But I mean, yeah, I guess you could breathe just fine. But our nostrils and our nose hairs are there for a reason to catch things so they don't go in and get into your nasal cavity. I wonder if he has more sinus infections than most people. This is what he says. I have a forked tongue, an orc ear, vampire teeth, and horn implants in my head. The last one I did to make me look completely frightening was my nose. I mutilated it to look like a skull. No shit, that's what he looks like. He was awarded the title of most tattooed man in Brazil in 2014, and he wants more horns implanted on his head. So he has those dermal implants that have, you know, basically under the skin up against his skull. He's, you know, they implanted something to make him look he's got, like he's got bumps and horns and shit. He's had 99% of his body tattooed. He's, his ears have been shaped into orc ears, which means they probably had to cut most of his ear off and reshape it. And he wants to do more procedures to continue what he calls his physical evolution. He said, quote, I really like the pain of needles. I'm addicted. Every now and then I get the need to touch up the tattoos because I don't have enough space on my body. End quote. Would you say that he he was probably addicted and that he's probably got a thing for pain? He's got a serious kink for mutilating his body. You know, if you start cutting shit off, you might have a problem, right? I don't know. It's just me. I don't think it's just me. The business is a very important part of the show because that's where you're going to find me. So just sit through it. Contact me on the social medias. Fringe with Benefits has a Patreon now. It's linked below. I'm still trying to figure out how to use it. There's content up there. I would appreciate some interaction. I would love to, like I've said before, create more gated content for the people that appreciate what I have to offer. If we get locked down again, I'll have no choice but to work on that for you all. But let's hope that doesn't happen. (laughs) Not the B. Badass platform. Golden underscore Valkyrie. I love it over there. It's paid for by the users, which means you get more privacy and less censorship. 
Instagram is Golden Valkyrie with the underscores, whatever. You'll find me if you really, really want to. It's very PG-13. Keep it clean and neutral. Very much unlike here. Rumble and BitChute is Golden Valkyrie. These platforms are great. I want to inform everyone that if you're looking for censored or restricted videos, this is where you're going to find them. Inward Survival has its own website at inwardsurvival.com. Please join the mailing list so I'll have your email for any new stuff I put out. I'd like to keep in touch and that's the way I can keep the stream of communication open for sure. As far as Big Brother and the Thought Police Forum, go follow the Fringe with Benefits Facebook page. While you are there, go find Inward Survival's Facebook page. Stay up to date about health and wellness for naked and afraid stuff and about my life. Go visit my Facebook fan page at Stacey Leo Sorio. Be sure to support the show's Twitter page at Stacey Fringe. YouTube is at Golden Valkyrification. You can find me on Parlor, Parlay, Gab, Mines. You can find me on MeWe. Go subscribe to the Fringe with Benefits Telegram channel. The information is flowing over there. And I'm going to say it again. Visit InwardSurvival.com for more information about that. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, go give me a rating and review. Five stars would be bitchin'. The more reviews, the more it's suggested. Share the show, but be mindful of the disclaimer. The disclaimer. I'm not for everybody, and some may be offended by my opinions and chosen content. Be mindful. Let's all be considerate of each other's opinions, especially regarding topics regarding current events. Go visit Fringe with Benefits Anchor homepage linked below. Click the support the show button. We have a new subscriber, and I want to shout out Billy. She's a badass, a beautiful lady who is an incredible hair artist and a savvy businesswoman. Thank you again to our subscribers. I'm super appreciative. Remember, if you support the show, you support Inward Survival. Oh, thank you. Mailbag this week. Send me your mail. Fringe with benefits at protonmail.com. Do I need to say it anymore? I know we've got more listeners. I, I see you guys out there. Send me your fucking scary stories right now. Okay. Okay, that's all I had to say. This week, I like these survivor stories. I'm going to share with you a survivor story. This survivor is of domestic violence. Anybody who knows me knows me that knows that this is a very important topic to me. And I am an advocate for survivors of domestic violence. Maybe someday I'll share a story. Maybe not. I don't really know who listens to this, but if there's anybody who's out there looking for some inspiration regarding domestic violence and that topic, I'm your gal because I've been through it more than once. Okay, this one is called I Am a Survivor by R. So basically anonymous. She says, I was around 23 when I met my ex-husband and I had a three-year-old son from a previous relationship. He was my knight in shining armor, or, or so I thought. He had everything together. Handsome, kind, had a great job, and was very much into me. He accepted my son and seemed like he wanted nothing more than to take care of us. I'll never forget when he surprised me with a trip to Las Vegas. I was excited. I had never been, and I was thrilled he would do something so nice for me. Even now as I look back, there were red flags, and I was too young and inexperienced to notice. My son and I moved into his home within six months, and around six months later, I was pregnant with my first daughter. My family loved him. I started noticing jealousy and temper around six months into my pregnancy he didn't want me going anywhere without him not to dinner with my friends not shopping during the day he wanted all of my time 
I didn't mind. All I wanted was a family and a home. I was flattered that he loved me so much that he didn't want to share me. The abuse didn't happen overnight. It just progressed from throwing me against a wall, spitting on me, kicking me, to finally one night after my second daughter was born, he was so out of control that I, I couldn't hide it anymore. We had come home from a family function, and towards the end of the night, a family friend's husband said something mildly inappropriate to me. I can't even remember what it was, but my husband was furious. The whole way home, he accused me of wanting to fuck that guy and being a whore. And as he was driving, he was hitting me with his right hand. Once we got into the house, I was crying hysterically, as she should have been, and asking him to please stop. If I had a dollar for every time I said that, I would be rich by now. I begged him. I professed my undying love. I swore that I wanted no one else. He just got angrier and angrier. He ripped off my clothes every stitch until I was naked, and then he dragged me out the front door, threw me on the porch, closed the door, and locked me out. Naked. After a few minutes, he pulled me back in. I begged him to stop. He punched, kicked, pulled my hair, and spit on me. He yanked me into our bedroom where he picked up a mirror and broke it over my head. And then he sat on top of me and held a gun to my head, saying he would blow my head off and then his. I begged for my life. I told him I loved him. The last thing I remember was his hands around my throat, choking me as I lay there naked on the carpet with him on top of me. All I could think about was my babies, and they wouldn't remember me and who would raise them. When I woke up, I was naked on her bed, and he was crying. He thought he had killed me. I was able to pretend I was okay, put a t-shirt on at least. Once he thought it was over, I ran out the front door to a neighbor's house, screaming and banging on their door. As they opened the door, he came from behind and punched me in the back of the head. They struggled to get me in and called 911. He returned to her house and returned with a shotgun, screaming that he would blow the door off the hinges if they didn't open it and send me out. The police came. I refused medical treatment until I was so black and blue and unable to move the next day that my mother made me go. I was solid black, with bruising from my neck to my knees, and had broken ribs and a broken tailbone. He was arrested, and so began the backtracking, covering up the pathetic excuses I made for him and the written words on every hospital police document that said, victim refuses to cooperate. Even though I refused to help, the DA picked up the charges and the state sent him to prison for four years. Now 27 with a six-year-old, a 20-month-old, and a 10-month-old, I was single and had three kids. His parents owned our home, and they came one day, locked us out, and refused to let me even have the kids' clothes. I moved in with my dad and stepmom, found a great job, and tried to put everything behind me. Fast forward... About a year into my husband's sentence, I decided that my children needed to know their father and started visiting him in prison every other weekend. I drove six and a half hours each way. It broke my heart to see him that way. He was ashamed and very sorry. He promised he'd learned his lesson. I mean, who wouldn't learn from going to prison, right? I begged my family to forgive him. I forgave him. For two more years, my children and I visited every weekend. The state released him after about 37 months. Part of his parole condition was that he could not live with me, but we did. Every Wednesday, his parole officer would come in for a visit, and I would take the kids and leave. Things were okay for a little while. It seemed like we were going to be able to put things back together. Then it started again. Not as severe, or so I thought. More mental. My ex-husband would lock me in our bedroom and smash all my makeup, hold me down, and spit on me. He would tell me I was a whore and a slut. Say, go ahead and leave me. No one will ever want you. You're worthless. He would unhook the battery to my car so I couldn't leave when he was at work. Once I figured out, he resorted to taking the spark plugs to work with him. 
He would make me cower in a corner trying to protect my face as if he, because if he bruised my face, my family would know. Then when all was done with this, he would want to have sex. I remember finding a spot on the wall or something to stare at so I could leave my body. That's the only way I know how to explain it. I was a shell of a person. I was once outgoing and fun and always smiled. I was now quiet and sad and empty on the inside. A friend's husband asked once, Rachel, ooh, now we know her name. He's hitting you again, isn't he? No, he isn't, Steve. He just pulls my hair every once in a while. Don't tell me you've never done that to your wife, which was a total lie. He did much more than pulling my hair. I will never forget the look of the horror on his face. And then he calmly answered, no, I have never pulled my wife's hair, ever. I would never want to hurt her. I think this is the first time that I realized that this wasn't normal and honestly and truly was shocked. I was in complete denial. I didn't want my kids to know my pain, so I pretended that it never happened. I remember saying to myself, he's a good man. I have a great life. If this is something I have to deal with once a month, then it's worth it. But I was slowly dying. I was ashamed to tell anyone. How could I? I was the one who begged my family to forgive him, and I went back. These efforts went on for seven more years. I finally secretly packed little by little so he didn't notice, rented a house, and moved and filed for divorce. Here's the catch, though. I did not leave him because of the abuse. I left because he was having an affair with a neighbor. I was 37 years old. Today, I'm 45 years old, and I've been on my own for eight years. I have not had a serious relationship since. My ex-husband married the neighbor from whom he was having an affair. He moved her into our home about a month after I left. I devoted my time to rebuilding my life and taking care of my children. I asked for no spousal support, profits, or rights to our business that we built together or anything from our home. I wanted my car, and I wanted out. Fifteen years, and I walked with a small U-Haul. I didn't care. We split custody of the children. I still have a hard time coping. My family still spends much of their time with him and his wife. Their excuse is that I asked them to forgive him. What they don't realize is that just because I didn't tell anyone what was going on after he came home didn't mean that it wasn't happening. My father even told me one day that it was my fault, that I just couldn't learn to keep my mouth shut. Until recently, I partly believed him it was my fault. I struggle not every day, but some days. Some days I see myself as a warrior with the strength of an army. Other days I see myself as weak. It's all self-talk. If I think about all that I've been through, I cry. I'm angry sometimes. I have a hard time having a relationship with men. Some days I feel like there's something wrong with me, and other days I feel like a million bucks. Sometimes I feel like the victim, and other days I feel like a survivor. The hardest part is my self-esteem. I have to work on that daily. And when I say daily, I mean every single minute of every single day. He took that from me. He obliterated it. Yes, I know that was a tactic to keep me there, but the mind is a tricky thing. I don't have much of a relationship with my family. I don't want him to be a part of my life as long as he's a part of theirs. I can't be there. So he took that from me too. He is a constant reminder. I want no part of that. There is hope though. My children are now all over 18 and are great. I got out in time. I run a successful business. I have my own little home and I have wonderful friends. I would like to have a relationship with a man someday. It will take some, someone special and patient to understand me. I have my ups and my downs. I'm terrified of getting close to a man, but I want to. I want to know what a healthy relationship is. I want to feel like I have someone in my corner. 
that will never betray me. I am hopeful. And for the most part, I am happy. I am proud of all that I've overcome. I will keep reaching for the stars. I will daydream of having a good man. And I will tell myself daily that I'm not a victim. I am a survivor. So anyone who's going through something similar to this that carries all the secrets on your own because you've already asked people to forgive them over and over and over again and you just can't bear the thought of them knowing that they're doing it to you again. Remember, you are not alone and it'll get better, but we all have to take those steps to see to it that it gets better. Because those children, even though they're over 18 and great, there is still damage done there. And I can profess to that in my own personal life with my kids. So good on her. Great story. And hopefully it will wake somebody up or make someone go within themselves to have healthier and more loving relationships. Because you deserve it. The topic this week is something I typically will not talk about. I'm talking about it this time because I kind of have a little story to tell about it. So we're going to go over it. We're going to talk about Zozo. Have you heard of Zozo? Okay, here we go. Do you know Zozo? Those were the words from Jack. Jack is a young man I met on the docks in Tokeland, Washington. He's a kid, he's in a wheelchair, he has some very serious spinal issues from a condition he developed while he was in utero. He is a stronger person than I'd say about 99% of the people I've met my whole life. The arduous path given to the sweet boy isn't one that any person could trek without crying and potentially giving in, so this kid's awesome. His mom and sister and him are going to be impossible to forget they approached me on the docks. He wanted to know about Bigfoot, and I worked for Fish and Wildlife, and so he wanted to talk to somebody about Bigfoot and get as much information as he possibly could. And I was super excited to talk about Bigfoot, obviously, and I'm glad he found me instead of maybe one of my other coworkers, the not-so-fun ones that would probably crush his soul and tell him there's no Bigfoot and why there's no Bigfoot. You know what I mean? And so when he asked me if I knew about Bigfoot, I was thrilled. He asked me those words, do you know Zozo? And this is the most weirdest, surreal experience I've ever had in an interaction with another human being because it was almost like he had some sort of knowledge. He definitely had some serious knowledge. And when he asked me if I knew this demon, the hair on my neck stood up because of course I've heard of him. And I really like dislike talking about demons, but for the sake of the show, we're going to discuss this one and explore the mythos surrounding demonic entities in particular Zozo. Okay. According to Ranker.com and the Zozo facts, Zozo was a Ouija board or is a Ouija board demon. And he's been circling around for about as long as the Ouija board itself. That's what they say. Some people believe Zozo to be a demon, a tulpa, a mischievous ghost trying to scare the living, or a product of the idiomotor effect. Regardless of his true identity, there's so many stories surrounding encounters, and it's become so widespread that it's this crazy, weird thing. Several people to claim to have been possessed by him, and the experiences they describe are nightmarish. 
Paranormal researcher Darren Evans, we'll talk more about him later, recounts having a nervous breakdown when Zozo stalked and tormented his daughter until she had to be admitted to the hospital. According to one witness, Zozo first asked a series of questions about players' families through the spirit board before mysteriously extinguishing a candle and going on to cause a streak of nasty luck for the witness and her friend. Another person claimed to have contacted him through a spirit board, spent some time with the friend talking to the spirit until her friend began experiencing strange symptoms that started with a headache, culminated with her inexplicable disappearance from the house in the middle of the night. The first recorded account of a supernatural encounter with this thing dates as far back dates far back before Darren Evan reports his encounter. In the last published edition of Le Dictionnaire Infernal, the same book that contains the symbol that Evans claimed to be a representation of Zozo's name, the author documented a case of demonic possession that took place in the village of Tilly in 1816. This case concerned a girl who claimed to be possessed by three demons. Their names were, which we shouldn't even do this, but we're going to, Mimi, Crapulet, and Zozo. According to another theory, Zozo is another name for the Mesopotamian demon Pazuzu. If Zozo is really a nickname for Pazuzu, this creature has been terrorizing occultists and party game enthusiasts for at least 2,700 years, people. This thing's MO is to introduce itself to an unexpecting Ouija board user, interact with them a little, for a little while, and then began to spread its influence over their lives. Though a few connections exist between the name Zozo and the identity of Pazuzu, it's not entirely clear if he calls himself a demon or if it, its behavior has earned him the demonic reputation. People who have claimed to encounter this thing often describe experiencing sudden intense feelings of anger, fear, depression, suicidal ideation, and one victim, or I'm sorry, some victims even say they've experienced physical symptoms, like we talked about, including headaches, sleepwalking, an infection, and bad luck so knock on wood some have contacted it through using a pendulum the pendulum dowsing this is a, a similar tool you would use to contact the you know the spirit world that's when you, you basically you have i have one it's a a crystal on the end of a chain it uses a suspended weight instead of the planchette to indicate the answer. So it'll go, I think I've done that on one of my YouTube videos. I actually showed how it worked. Others have reported meeting this thing through automatic writing sessions or hypnosis. Researchers have also captured what they claim as an EVP audio of this thing. I'm going to try not to use his name because they like it when we say their name, so we're not going to do that. Or at least my superstitious ass <laughs> doesn't want any of that. In fact, Ouija board is not even allowed in this house. We don't fuck around with that at all. Darren Evans, the most well-known researcher of this phenomenon, has taken even what he believes to be a photograph. I have not seen this, but... All the articles are linked below, and there are links to all these images that we're talking about. These are the the things that will, you know, indicate whether or not you're talking to this thing. And I, I suggest not doing it, but it's kind of, it's good to explore this because then you know kind of what to look for. So the planchette will move in a rainbow pattern from side to side, sometimes going to O to Z over and over. The planchette will move in a repeated figure eight movement. 
the planchette will spell out any version of his name. Watch out for these other names, Z-A-Z-A or Mama. That's interesting. Also, you might see what looks like shadows moving around the area where you're playing. And who you and whoever you're playing with will start to feel scared, uneasy, or upset. And I have to admit that while I was researching this, I started to feel very scared, very uneasy, and kind of sick to my stomach. Definitely not the best. I'm definitely going to need to really do some sort of cleanse after even talking about this because it's weird. And I suggest you do the same thing after listening to this. <laughs> but you all must know that we, we surmount their power. So just remember that. The easiest way to avoid forming an unwanted connection with this thing is to stop communicating with it. When you use a spirit board, put it away... Um, use it somewhere besides the place where you believe you've run into this thing. Cleanse your home and you just starve off negative influence and it regains, you regain some peace of mind and power. If you're a spiritual person, go ahead and give your place a cleanse, just like I said, using sage or holy water. If you're dealing with bad luck, health, your best bet is to make sure you take care of yourself. And remember, what goes down will come up again. Do not ignore your physical or mental health, whether it's creepy spirits or garden variety health problems. You have to remember that if you think you're really, really encountering a demonic spirit, you might want to research someone who might be able to help you with an exorcism. Darren Evans, this researcher, he describes encountering this thing through the Ouija board with using a symbol etched into it that could be read as this thing's name. The symbol is almost identical to the symbol that Jimmy Page put on the inner sleeve of the fourth Led Zeppelin album. If you guys know anything about Jimmy Page, he actually bought Aleister Crowley's estate on Loch Ness. So look into that. So it's really strange that he has this name on his album and bought Aleister Crowley's pad. Very, very weird. It says, while it's not possible that Page took the graphic design advice from a demon, it's more likely he adapted the symbol from the Lead Dictionnaire Infernal, the encyclopedia written in 1818 about demons. This book lists the symbol as a protective sigil, which is interesting. It's not supposed to be a demonic one. It's supposed to be a protective sigil. I don't know if anybody wants to dig into that a little bit more, but I'm not sure. So this thing talks about taking a minute to set up some ground rules when you are using a Ouija board and, and you, set, you lay down these rules for whoever or whatever you're might going to encounter. If these things exist, they will think twice about trying to intimidate you if you're willing to take control of the situation. Make sure you dedicate a few minutes before your session to state firmly you're not interested in talking to anyone who wants to scare or control you. And if they try, you're going to tell them goodbye. Next, we're going to go to an article from MysteriousUniverse.org about some stories. Okay, a poster, um, a poster on a forum called April O from the U.S. claims she had some friends over for a party in 2012. They all thought it would be fun to play Ouija, something she'd done on many occasions without ever having any negative or paranormal experience, but this time was different. They all sat down. They were giggling, telling scary stories. None of them were aware of about what was about to happen. It started when they seem to have contacted something when they spelled out what they were speaking in the planchette that began to spell out Z-O-Z-O. And when 
asked what they wanted, it cryptically said, I want her, and indicated one of her friends. She said that the events would unfold like this, quote, the cursor returned to moving from the Z to the O yet again, and I was getting annoyed with this because it wouldn't tell me why it wanted my friend. It just spelled out, I want her, repeatedly. My friend, the one the demon wanted, stupidly called him a pussy, I think, because it's blocked out. And it says the board spelled out death, and that's when things got bad. I got angry and told her not to provoke him because he was capable of bad things, and I sure as hell didn't want anything happening to my friends. The other friend just sat there freaked out, not speaking the entire time. We continued to ask it questions, which I don't recall. She said the cursor began to feel hot under her fingers. They, she asked her friends if they felt it too. They said yes. I asked it another question, but its answer didn't make any sense. It spelled out mama over and over and would not move to any letters. So I cussed at him because I was getting annoyed. One friend took his hand off the cursor and refused to play anymore, and the atmosphere immediately changed. She said I could feel Zozo... I could feel him in the room now and the air was heavy and I began to get scared. All of a sudden, I didn't feel like myself. I felt as if something was inside of me. I felt the most intense hatred I've ever felt before. I began to laugh hysterically and then cry like I had no control over my emotions. My mood then turned to hatred again and I turned to look at my friend, the one the demon wanted, and the most with the most evil smile. I felt it inside. It wasn't me smiling. It was this demon. We all stopped playing the board after that, but the heavy feeling in the air and the presence remained. I feared for my friend's safety that night, but fortunately none of them experienced anything after leaving. My advice, do not mess with the Ouija board. Another account comes from Evan's site and concerns a frightened witness who says that he'd been contacted by what he first thought was the spirit of a little boy. What it would turn out to be is anything but... He said, there was a spirit that claimed to be that of a little boy. We also talked to a few other spirits on the board until one time the spirit came across and said his name was Oz. I figured initials because I don't recall any spirits leaving their names, just initials. Anyways, he was no fun and just plain mean. Every time we would try to talk to one of the friendly spirits, he came back on like it was much stronger than the others. And when you would ask a question, he got angry. The eye would move frantically in a figure eight. He was just mean. Well, one night it got pretty, I, we got pretty trashed and asked some real mean things and he acted mean back. It was funny at first, but then it got serious in a hurry. We started arguing with one another because some were getting spooked. And then we came to our senses and said, let's get rid of this darn thing. We threw it away and nothing strange happened afterwards. Not sure I believe in them or if they really even work, but it was a freaky experience. Although I talked a lot of smack that night, I was sort of fearful for a few days. I can't remember to this day what this thing said. Heck, it's been 20 years ago, but it wasn't good at all. If you have any Ouija board stories, send them to fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. That's all I got to say. <laughs> the next article is something you have to open and look at. There's 10 real demon photos. And this is where I started to get really freaked out because these pictures are freaky. Okay, I'm going to run through them real quick and tell you what you can see on this thing because none of it seems normal. And... As you can tell by what's written about these things, they don't really know what the fuck, okay? The first one is a photo taken in the 90s at a wedding reception in Aurora, Minnesota. The couple in the photo, Mr. and Mrs. Martinez, claim they didn't notice anything strange about the photo until eight years after it was taken. In the background, of right behind them, there's a dog face just above the left shoulder of Mr. Martinez. The couple said there was no dog at the reception and they are baffled by the image. Mr. Martinez, 
coincidentally, he was battling drug addiction at the time, claims this photo was an omen. He took the photo as a sign to stop his drug abuse, believing it was some kind of demon clinging to him. Photography experts examined the photo and determined it hadn't been tampered with in any way, concluding the dog had been, must have been present the day the photo was taken. Still a huge topic of debate on social media and in forums today. That's picture number one. Picture number two, when this photo was submitted to Reddit in 2012, the forum went into a frenzy of speculation. It is known as the Wisconsin Trail Cam Mystery. Mystery. This image has baffled analysts for years. This shambling creature seems to be wearing a tattered rags and hoods draped over its hunched shoulders. Some have noted the footprints running across the ground as if the, this beast is tracking them. There's no reasonable explanation for this image. Obviously, it's a trail cam, but it's creepy as shit. Opinions range from a demon to a zombie or even a lost soul forced to eternally wander the woods. Some have said it's a smear on the lens or just a person with a sheet draped over them. Whatever it is, it's one of the most baffling photos ever taken. Number three is the late 2015's unusual photos began appearing in Brazil. People from all over the country were reporting sightings of this strange demon-like man. Some even described the creature as a werewolf. This is definitely a dogman picture. The sightings occurred in different cities around the country, one witness said they saw a strong-looking creature running fast along the building tops. Residents even avoided going out at night during this, these bizarre sightings. The photo on the right was captured by a young girl who was out with her father. They said they couldn't get a video of the creature as they were too scared. The photo appears to show a figure with bent legs, similar to a goat, and a strong upper torso. The other photo, which is to the left, shows a humanoid creature with pointy ears, a hunched back, and giant arms. You gotta see the one on the right that looks like with the backwards legs, because it's bizarre. And I've seen this picture before, but now that I know kind of what the source is, it, it's even scarier, really. The fourth picture, there's two young boys taking a selfie they caught something in the photo. This one is one I kind of think is hoax, but in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little girl or a demonic-looking doll staring at the camera. It has long black hair and a gaunt, twisted face. It's hard to verify this one as there is no next to no information available. It's probably been staged or photoshopped, but it's pretty freaky. I'm not really sure this one's super legit, but the other three, or at least the other two, even the third one, guys, honestly, the fifth one. Okay, there's a woman who took an innocent selfie. It was uploaded to Imgur in 2016 with a caption that says, please tell me that's your shy daughter. This sinister photo whipped paranormal enthusiasts into a frenzy. Behind the woman's left shoulder is a demonic face with glowing eyes and a slight grin. The two skin tones don't match, but the look in the eye of the second figure is really off-putting. Weird. Then there's number six. This photo was shared to Facebook in January 2017. Of course, the internet was like, what? Phoenix resident Richard Christensen took this photo walking through Tucson. In the photo is a winged figure that looks to be at least 10 feet tall. He uploaded the image to his Facebook on New Year's Day with the caption, what the hell do you see in this picture for reals? Anybody? This picture went viral. News outlets, social media, forums, all speculating on what the hell it was. On Christian news sites, they, they were quick to call it a demon. 
and that it was a sign of the apocalypse. Others were more cautious in their assessment and said it was probably fake, some claiming it was nothing more than a palm tree. I don't know. The woman who took the photo has never come forward, so it's hard to verify authenticity. It could be, I mean, who knows? The next one is this photo was taken by a mother known only as Heather from Pennsylvania using her camera phone. It shows her son posing for a photo, but in the background, there's a demonic face with black eyes peering out from behind the boy. The mother claims there was no one behind her son when the photo was taken. The eighth one is a demon creature lurking in a cave. It's been floating around the internet since the 90s. It's puzzled viewers for decades. This story goes that two boys were exploring a cave in Raz al-Kama, United Arab Emirates, and they went deeper into this cave and they heard these screams of another person. The cave was pitch black and they decided to take a photo using the camera to light up the cave for a second to see their surroundings. The flash went off, bright white light filling the cave. These two boys see this demon-like creature clinging to the wall. This picture's trip. And they ran as fast as they could out of the cave, telling the authorities. The next day, the police searched the cave, discovered the remains of a young man partially eaten. The following week, the two boys returned to England. They contacted the local newspaper, the Bournemouth advertiser and told them of their ordeal the journalist running the story checked the roll of film discovered this image and just like the boys described there was a small demon creature clinging to the wall the article attracted international attention and this photo is infamous experts claim this photo is a hoax saying the creature is nothing more than a statue placed in the cave to spook tourists others believe it to be genuine citing evidence of demons that live among us in caves and shadows lurking closer than you might think. What do you think? Number nine is 2014. Two young UK women took a Halloween selfie that would haunt them forever. This one's a trip. They uploaded it to Snapchat. Kaylee Atkinson rang her friend Victoria Greaves and told her to take a closer look at the photo they had taken earlier. The background is a demonic face looking straight into the camera with a strange pale complexion and an eerie grin. It scared these girls so much they immediately deleted the image from their phones. The girls were certain there was no one behind them when the photo was taken. And then the last one. This one's been doing social media rounds since 2014. It's hard to verify the source. It's been shared so many times it's become a creepypasta. The common story attached to the photo is that a nurse in a hospital took a screenshot of a security camera that was monitoring patients in the ward. She claims that she saw a demon-like figure walking up and down one particular patient's bed. It had long black legs and eerie slender fingers. She went to the ward to check on the patient. There was no figure in the room. However, the patient's vitals began declining rapidly and the person died shortly after. Lots of folklore tells of strange sightings in hospitals. Dark figures lurking in the periphery, which we've all experienced, even though you don't want to admit it or not. Or perhaps creatures waiting to take the souls of the recently deceased. This photo's a trip. Scary as shit. It looks like a demon dancing on a person's hospital bed with them laying in it. It's scary as shit. Check it out. You've probably already seen it. When this photo went viral across social media, debunkers got to work. The quality of the original photo is pretty low. It's hard to break the image down, but one commentator thought it was a, merely a series of objects compiled together at a strange angle that gives the effect of a lurking creature, while others believe this image to be genuine, saying that this could actually be the evidence of a demon collecting the souls of the sick and frail. So check it out. 
to wrap up this topic because it's just heinous to talk about and it's scary as shit. But I guess we talk about the heinous and scary here, so no big deal. Darren Evans, the original person that actually came out and said, this thing is a fucking nuisance. It's scary. It's a demon. You know, tried to pull all these connections together and he's trying to notify people. Be careful. This is from his website. And you guys will not believe the freaking comments. Um, I'm not going to share all of those, but if you're interested, it's linked below his blog. He went public with his experience about the Zozo phenomenon. He found similar encounters that some, something that surfaced during Ouija sessions, and he began this quest for the truth. And he wants to know why so many individuals across the world had encountered this entity. He wanted answers. Ten years later... Are we closer? Not really. He says he believes they are, but he says this article shows indisputable proof that this being has shown up in history hundreds of years before his research ever began. So he's trying to prove that this thing was around and being talked about way before he came out because people are saying that he created this thing. And he's like, no, it's been around. And so he literally lays it out with tons of links, tons of screenshots of original literature that has mentioned this thing. So let's get into that. He says there's been statements proposed in videos and forums on social media that there was no mention of the demon before 2009. It's It could not be further from the truth. He mentioned several examples. Some of these are examples that were not mentioned in his book with his friend, acclaimed paranormal author Rosemary Ellen Gilly. He says he wants to shatter the claims of a paranormal scholar claiming that there's no mention of this thing coming through on Ouija boards. He mentions a Nigerian paranormal forum with a direct reference in 2005 with a screenshot of this account posted. It was posted 10.28 p.m. on November 2nd, 2005, full three years before he went public. And then he mentions the dictionary, Le Dictionnaire Infernal, written by Colin DePlancy in various editions in the 1800s. In this description, he tells a strange tale of a young girl who'd been infested with the three demons, like we mentioned before, and that when this thing left her body during her exorcist, it broke a stained glass window of a church when it left. The Month in Catholic Review was a monthly periodical available to subscribers from 1864 to 2001. In 1876, this publication mentioned the sermons of the Franciscan St. Bernardino of Siena, who lived from 1380 to 1444. In this screenshots he shows of the actual article available on Google to view is another example of the direct reference to a demonic Zozo. He continues to warn people that Ouija communication can be dangerous. And yes, he still on occasion gets back on the board to satisfy his own curiosity. He doesn't ever use it around children or in his own home, and he will from time to time use the Ouija during paranormal investigations. He's been using them on and off for the past 30 years, and despite what the Ouija proponents say, there's a danger involved regardless of an internal or external origin of communication. Just to satisfy your curiosity, you got to check out the comments. People are, they're saying they're experiencing stuff, and you guys need to decide for yourselves. And keep the conversations about these entities minimal and heed the warnings about Ouija. Please. That's what I got for you. Isn't it weird that that kid came up to me and asked me if I knew about that? 
considering, I mean, it's definitely, it's been a topic of conversation in my life for many, many years and my partner's because he experienced some things when he was a kid surrounding the Ouija board and a, and a house he used to live in when he was younger. Lots of really strange stuff. <laughs> Guess Spot is going to be a gun manufacturer or um, a gun dealer. I'm not sure. I don't remember where I got this, but it was an, it was an email in my inbox and they are asking for their people says there we're going to need a lot of help here with throttling this and censorship it's hard to get the word out so please share above all call and email the people at como radio we ran a series of commercials called man on the street where the announcer interviews real people and asks them why they buy own and carry firearms each had their own reasons but the answers were f primarily for self-defense in light of the recent increases in violent crimes and the cutbacks in law enforcement a few disgruntled non-gun people called the station and complained, and now the station will not run our spots. Enough is enough. We need to cancel the cancel culture. I'm for this, and here I am. Call and email to show your support for the First and Second Amendments and our gun shows. Remind them that gun owners carry significant economic clout, and we are prepared to boycott their station and advertisers. Our voice should be heard. Below, you can link to email the general manager, but his email is gcgreenberg. B-E-R-G, at seattleradio.com. Advertising is C-Gouge, like gouge out your eyes, at seattleradio.com. Their main phone number is 206-404-4000. The station manager is 206-404-3187. The radio listener line is 206-421-1000. Act today, tomorrow, next week. Forward to your friends, our voice will not be silenced. Thank you from all of us here at Big Top Promotions. I got your back, Big Top Promotions. So this was the email from Como News Radio. It says, hi, Craig. Como News Radio has taken gun advertising in the past. It is a restricted category for Como. My managers agreed to run the ads last week to test the waters at the time. And with the creative, you reproved. If we have not received negative feedback, we'd be fine to continue as is. Bullshit. If you're going to run advertisements, it shouldn't matter what it is. And we need to be protecting our first and second amendment. So give those people a call. Link is below for the general manager's email. Otherwise, you can just rewind and write them all down. And that's if you want to ruffle some tail feathers. Also, a, a quick shout out to Mad Dad to the Bone. He's been putting some great content out there. He's he's just a dude in Canada who's standing up to the insane mandates and the crazy stuff that's going on. He's got a Telegram channel, but you can find him on Instagram. Below is linked his Instagram. Go give him a follow. Inward Survival School of Magic this week, I think, is a really important topic. It's about anxiety and what to do about it and the things that you can do to help battle the, the anxiousness that you feel. I know anxiety is a huge issue for a lot of people and they, they use pharmaceuticals to keep it down. They've got to do all kinds of things. Sometimes they can't control it. I know, I know people that haven't been able to control their anxiety and it's, it's awful and it's scary for people. So we're going to talk about what you can do about it, certain exercises that you can do. Let's get into, you know, the definition. It's anxiety is experiencing fear, worry, apprehension. It can be mild and infrequent, and it can be strong and super persistent. 
And our, you know, each experience each person has, it totally varies. You can have feelings of nervousness, worry, fear, panic, doom, fixating on events from the past or things in the future, expecting worst case scenario, being irritable and agitated, not unable to concentrate, you can't sleep, you can't regulate emotion, you withdraw from people around you that might be good relationships and be good for you. We, we cannot stay in the present moment. Sometimes people have panic attack and the stress associated with anxiety can initiate the fight or flight response, which causes all kinds of problems and can trigger us in all different kinds of way. Physically, anxiety can appear in symptoms such as digestive issues, your heart racing, sweating, dizzy, having to piss a lot, muscle tightness, like I said, lack of sleep, insomnia, trembling, shaking, not able to catch your breath, general discomfort throughout your body. There's a ton of different anxiety disorders, um, including generalized anxiety disorder, separation anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, and panic disorder. And it's really disruptive in people's lives. Using mindfulness can help us acquire the tools to be able to observe the true nature of our present moment and help us gain clarity that puts the anxiety in the backseat where it belongs. By embracing mindfulness, you can manage your anxiety in a healthy way. So how can it help us? It will reconnect us to the present moment. It will promote rest and healing. It retrains the brain. It regulates emotional response to stress. It shifts our self-perception. The mindset tips are to let go of our desire to achieve perfection, practicing non-judgment, and drawing our attention to the heart or the heart space. There are nine different mindfulness exercises for anxiety that can provide us with beneficial tools and insights. Below is linked this entire article. I suggest you guys look into it if you're interested because each thing links to a different mindfulness exercise or a guided meditation. So it's absolutely useful. I can't stress this enough. This is a great resource if you're trying to manage your anxiety. The first one is an emotional awareness meditation. There's an attached worksheet. The second one is an exercise in letting go of judgment. By naming or labeling the, the presence of this judgment that you're holding, you have greater say over the level of control that it has over you. The third one is sensing and rating the anxiety in your body. By noticing the presence of anxiety, you can rate how strong it is and explore it through visualization and visualizing its weight, its shape, its color, and its size. Like I said, all these have links to practices that will actually walk you through it. The fourth one is letting life just be as it is by and doing a body scan. Tara Brock leads a guided body scan to help us explore a present moment experience on a more intimate level. By tuning into the body, we quiet the mind's tendency to change, to fix, or to seek anything other than what is right here, right now, by softening the presence of any challenging emotions. The fifth is teachings on nature. There's a cute little ebook. It's totally free. This is about what we can experience when we are walking through nature and how we can use that in a, a meditative state to practice reflection. The sixth one is detachment from overthinking. That's another guided meditation. These people need this. We, we constantly complain about overthinking. 
Seventh is a nature walk. It's a worksheet or you can write your own nature walk worksheet because basically the worksheet just tells you, you know, as you're walking through nature, noticing, picking up certain things, experiencing your senses, helping you focus on all these certain aspects. Probably good to check out the worksheet, but you can easily write your own or if you'd like me to write you one, feel free to email me. Eight, working with fear. That's a really important one. We've talked about fear before. We'll probably get into that more. Make sure you follow the link on that one if you are interested in working with your fear. And number nine, creating more quiet time. By tuning into the body, we can quiet the mind's tendency to change, fix, or seek anything other than what is right here and right now. Softening the presence of any challenging emotions. This was written by Sean Fargo. He is a mindfulness exercise founder, or he is the founder of Mindfulness Exercises. Go check it out. Awesome. Do not allow the anxiety to take over your peace of mind and your physical and mental health. Our stoic thought is from Epictetus. Any person capable of angering you becomes your master. When something happens, the only thing in your power is your attitude towards it. It is not the things that disturb us, but our interpretation of their significance. Things and people are not what we wish them to be, nor are they what they seem to be. They are what they are. And don't be concerned with other people's impressions of you. They are dazzled and deluded by appearances. Stick with your purpose. This alone will strengthen your will and give your life coherence. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining me.